views expressed on this program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers, and are not necessarily those of this station, its management, or other advertisers. You're listening to Transformation Talk Radio. Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Martini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show is coming up right next. The following audio is via a Skype call. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Welcome, everyone. Welcome. Many of you have heard me talk about the fact that I have lost loved ones my favorite uncle, early in his life, to a massive heart attack, and then my mom. So today, I am so thrilled to have Dr. Deepak Bhatt joining me here today. And what we're talking about, as he takes his journey as Executive Director of Interventional Cardiovascular Programs, Brigham and Women's Hospital, this is a groundbreaking interview. Uh, thank you, Dr. Bhatt, for joining us here today. I, I, I want to talk about this study you did. I want to get right to it um, because this is, for many people, when we're thinking about our loved ones, this is the area that most people say, I didn't see it coming. So can you tell us what's new, what did the study reveal, and why this is such an important message in today's world? Uh, absolutely. Well, first of all, thanks for having me, and I'm sorry about your mother and uncle. It's unfortunately all too common a story as cardiovascular disease remains the number one killer in the U.S. and in most parts of the world. But what we did to try to address some of that is study a drug called ethyl in 8,000 patients over about five years. And what we found was that this drug reduced the risk of important cardiovascular events by 25%, including a 20% reduction in death due to cardiovascular causes, a 31% reduction in heart attack, and a 28% reduction in stroke. The sort of patients. Well, uh, the reason that this is so important is those numbers, if anybody knows anything about research, those results probably are so far outside of the significance factor that has got to be beyond groundbreaking for you. Absolutely. I actually think we're at the dawn of a new era in cardiovascular prevention and that this is probably the biggest development since statins for cholesterol reduction. Of course, statins are used in people that are high cardiovascular risk who also have an elevated LDL or bad cholesterol. Most folks these days know their cholesterol level but the type of people we studied here were people who had elevated triglycerides and were already on a statin. And what we wanted to see is could we reduce their risk further in terms of future heart attacks or strokes or dying from those causes. And indeed, we did with this drug, Icosapentethyl. 
You know, I want to ask you a question, if we could get back to some basics. Now, I gave you two examples, my uncle and my mom. And bottom line for both of those people, they were not what you would consider in a high-risk area because we didn't know very much back then. What I mean by that is neither one of them was obese. Um, they didn't have the smoking factor, you know, things like that. Can you give us an update here on what you also discovered about why cardiovascular disease remains such a problem in the United States here? Well, in the U.S. in general, even though things like smoking rates have come down and now the use of statins to lower bad cholesterol rates of use of that type of drug have gone up, what's going on, and this is especially pronounced in certain parts of the country, are increases in the rates of obesity and therefore as part of that oftentimes increases in the rates of diabetes. And those two trends are fueling a surge in cardiovascular disease, including in people that are younger in some cases. So even though the age of heart disease has been pushed back for many decades, we're actually losing some of that ground because of these really troubling increases in weight and diabetes. Wow. You know, I, I want to ask you this. What is it about this and you and your direction for becoming sort of a, a leader in this field, but more importantly, your passion around this? I can only imagine what it's been like for you to see the evolution of this, but also to see, you know, how little we've been able to do in the past, like decades ago, and how quickly we are accelerating the preventative nature of this. Yes, those are really great points that you raised. And in fact, this trial, this reduce it study that we're discussing, I've actually been working on it for you know, over 10 years if you count the planning stages. So it's been a, a long journey and it, it hasn't been a solo journey. There have been investigators from around the world that have been collaborating on this and you know, our 8,000 patients as well who've sacrifice their time and energy to participate in this multi-year study. And I think as a result of all this hard work and, and sacrifice, again, really on the parts of physicians and patients from around the world, we now have an advance that I think can help transform the care of millions of patients worldwide. I want to ask you this question before. I, I know these are such short interviews. Um, how can people find out more? So let's make sure we get that in this conversation for, for today. And then I've got a, a, another question along the same lines here. All right. I'm glad you asked that. Well, first of all, I think patients and doctors, for that matter, need to start paying more attention to triglycerides, much like we pay attention to cholesterol levels. Most people know their level. I think the same should be true of triglycerides. So from a practical perspective, I tell your listeners, you know, talk to your doctor if you have elevated triglycerides or don't know your level in the first place. And if you do have an elevated triglyceride level, and if you additionally have some risk factors for heart disease, it might be worthwhile talking to your doctor and seeing if you might benefit from this drug, icosapentethyl. It is a prescription drug, just to clarify, so it's not something you can buy over the counter. So it really does require a trip to the doctor's office. Yeah, but what's so cool about that is this is how we bring information to our listeners here. And one of the most important things is to have questions that our listeners can go and just ask their doctors. I mean, can I ask you this question? You know, I'm sitting in front of my doctor and I've just heard this interview. Can you help our listeners cultivate or shape the right question to ask their doctors? <laughs> 
Absolutely. I guess I would keep that first question pretty simple. And that question is just, what's my triglyceride level? And the range of triglycerides we studied here are between 135 and 500 milligrams per deciliter. The average was 216 milligrams per deciliter. And those numbers probably don't mean a lot to your listeners. And that's part of the problem that people you know, don't actually know you know, what an elevated triglyceride level means. In fact, a lot of people don't really even know what triglycerides are, but they're basically a form of bad fat floating around in our blood that can cause trouble. And if nothing else, help identify people that are at high risk, even if they're already on statins, which are very effective medicines to lower another type of fat, LDL cholesterol. So it seems like we now have a second approach to reducing cardiovascular risk that really complements the very effective and widely used statin drugs. Well, and then this also, and I know probably out of the scope of this interview, but this is also really a call to action at finding out what does elevate triglycerides. And there's an entire nutritional profile that people can find out about. You know, like, what, what is it? And, and, you know, isn't this to a conversation educate yourself about how to take care of your care, and also look at the foods. I, I got an article from someone the other day that said, if you, if you had one thing to cut back on, it would be sugar. But this is really an important conversation to get educated about triglycerides, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. And you make a good point. So first of all, I always want to start with the basics. So if someone has a really high triglyceride level, weight loss can be a good way to bring that down also to bring down the risk of diabetes. But the folks we studied were you know, already doing the basic stuff, like trying to control their weight as best people can, and already on statin drugs, which lower bad cholesterol and have a mild effect on lowering triglycerides. But what we found is, at least in the patients we studied who had risk factors for heart disease, that that wasn't enough. Yeah. I mean, I live in the Pacific Northwest, so one of the things that we have had to educate ourselves about is salmon, salmon, salmon. Thank you so much for joining us here today. One last question. What's your personal message and what do you want to leave us with? Absolutely. So I would say in terms of cardiovascular health, do the basic stuff like watch your diet and exercise and know your numbers like your cholesterol and your triglycerides. And if you don't, go talk to your doctor and make sure you have that information. I love it. Thank you so much for joining us here today. Hey, everybody, lots of great information. Go to the website, find out more, and make changes today. Uh, we'll take a short break. We'll be right back. Are you done being afraid to jump into the life that's waiting for you? Are you ready for a real shift? I invite you to tune in every Tuesday with me, Tracy L, on the Tracy L Clark Show, where we will teach you how to live your extraordinary life. At 8 a.m. Pacific on Transformation Talk Radio, where I will provide the tools and the steps needed to help you transcend perceived limitations and move forward with an extraordinary life. For more information, visit me at tracylclark.com. Hey, everybody. I gave you a heads up that Benjamin Johnson would be joining us here today, Executive Director of the American Immigration Lawyers Association. Yes, I said the word immigration. And today's show is to look at 
how the midterm elections results, how are they going to impact immigration or not? Plus, what is the latest news that we should know about? Benjamin, thank you. And as I was saying before we actually went live, um, the work that you do for most of us is daunting, and yet we're very, very clear that we're glad you're, you're doing it. Oh, that's nice of you to say. I'm honored to be part of ALA. It's a great community. Um, it's hard to know where to start. I think what I'd like to start with a comment. Yesterday, I'm watching the television, and a toy manufacturer came on, and their latest building toy is called The Wall. And I thought to myself, am I like living on another planet? Is this really where we're going with this situation, Benjamin? Well, I, I think, uh, I hope not. Um, I know that there are a lot of uh, folks around the country who uh, think that uh, this is funny or want to profit mm -hmm. off uh, some of this uh, ugly divisive rhetoric. Um, but this is much, much more important than that. Mm -hmm. uh, this is about who we are as a country. This is about our economy. This is about uh, neighborhoods all around the country that are uh, living and working together, and uh, they need... Uh, an immigration system, and they need resources uh, that will give them the opportunity to do that. Mm -hmm. I want to ask you, um, I, I want to take a snapshot in time, and I know uh, this is very difficult to do in eight minutes here, but since your involvement, since, let's go back for several months here, I want to ask you, what have you been most challenged by in your initiative, and what, have, what are you most optimistic by? Well, listen, I, I, don't, I think it's pretty clear that the most challenging thing about immigration right now is the politics around immigration. Yeah. I think uh, there is a huge segment of America that is fed up, uh, fed up with not being heard, uh, fed up with being told that their concerns aren't legitimate. Uh, they're fed up with uh, politicians uh, paying attention to them when they want their vote and ignoring them uh, when it comes to uh, their bread and butter kitchen table issues. And immigration is part of that. We, we've had an immigration system uh, that hasn't been updated in 30-plus years. And I think as a casual observer, it's easy to believe that the immigration system is not working for us. Um, and, you know, it shouldn't be that way. The, the path forward uh, is very, very doable. Uh, we can and should create an immigration system that's good for American workers, good for the American economy, and good for American families. Uh, and if we had politicians that were interested in that, there are ideas everywhere that would get us a much better system today uh, than, than we have. Um, and, and I think if, if politicians were willing to get past the easy politics of fear and division and get to the hard work of coming up with solutions, I think America would be better off. Um, I want to ask you this question, too. What impact did uh, the immigration uh, issues, conversation, actions, what impact do you believe it had on the midterms? Well, I, it, it was obvious that the president believed that the immigration issue was you know, going to be his October surprise. Mm -hmm. uh, he, I think he, you know, he talked about it as often as possible. Uh, it is red meat to a lot of his base. Um, and, and I think, unfortunately, in some places, you know, it did sell. Um, but in most places, it did not. I, I think the takeaway from the election is that in lots and lots of races, uh, you know, both for Congress and, and for, for governor and for state legislatures, the voters rejected those people who just wanted to play politics. Uh, and they voted in favor of people that had the courage to come forward with solutions. Uh, 
and if if those elected leaders uh, take that mandate and they begin to 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 look at this issue and lean into this issue, the solutions are are very achievable. So I think looking ahead to the 2020 elections, which is always painful to do since we just got past the midterms, uh, but I think the truth is is that the people that will survive that 2020 battle uh, will be the ones uh, who are willing to do the hard work of leading as uh, elected officials. Yeah, I I think for me, as I sit back here, uh, I think the shocking election that I can point to is the Senate seat that Jeff Flake had. Um, and I think many people look at that and, and pretty much thought, wait a minute, this, you know, there, there can't be this kind of thing that happens there. But aren't we all surprised? Here's my question, though, for you, se- stepping aside the results for a minute. The thing that I am struck by, I'm, I would say I'm older than you a little bit, The thing that I'm struck by is having grown up in an era of something like the Vietnam War, let me just say, I can remember images that journalists had of that war. I mean, that was literally the the doom when it came to that. There wasn't any, uh, what do you call it, restriction on journalists going over there and dying over there and taking pictures and video. Why is it we are not seeing what is happening today in immigration? What do you think is behind us not really even finding out if children have been put back together with parents? Because I tried to find out uh, as part of the media. Yeah, well, listen, I, I, you know, your job is uh, it's probably as difficult or more difficult than mine because uh, there's a lot of shiny objects coming at us. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of uh, chaos and uh, a, a diversion of attention uh, on a regular basis. I mean, you just think about, you know, we, we were covering the midterm elections for 24 hours before it became about Jeff Sessions being fired, and then it became about something else. So, yeah. I mean, I think part of the problem is that it's very hard for the public to understand uh, what's important. It's very hard for the public to understand the depth of the issues that are being discussed because we move on five minutes later. Um, so I, I, you know, look, reporting on these issues is that's that's really really difficult to do. Uh, it certainly doesn't help that the Trump administration is both in love with and at war with uh, the media. Uh, that that sort of love hate relationship is, uh, I think, causing lots of problems in terms of transparency and accountability. Uh, so yeah, it's a very difficult issue. Yeah. I want to just make sure we talk about what you're doing and your organization, because if folks can go there, they're going to see updated information, social media links. People can be as plugged in about this issue as they want to be if they tap into what you all have created. How do, how do they find out more about this? There's lots of ways. I mean, obviously, you know, we have a great blog, thinkimmigration.org, uh, uh, which really I think is the mandate that we hope people will uh, uh, will follow, which is let's start thinking about this issue and not shouting about it. Mm-hmm. Um, well, you can go to the ALA.org website. Uh, there's lots of information about the law, the updates about what's happening. There's also places uh, where you can get expert advice uh, if you or your family or friends have uh, immigration needs and you're trying to find a pathway forward. Uh, that's really the place to start mm-hmm. is ALA.org. Uh- Here's the question, and, and only you can answer this for us today. Can you give us an update? I, I know that there's a lot on your plate. I know there's a lot to talk about. 
but I would love to know, here's where we are today. What are you most concerned about, worried about, and what action are you planning for the next year plus? Well, I'm most worried uh, that, again, that people will be focused on the politics and not the policy. The longer that we go without real solutions, the more and more angry Americans are going to get about an immigration system that's, that's not working. Um, and that anger then makes solving those problems more and more difficult. So um, I worry about the, the cycle that we're in now, uh, this, where, where fear and resentment becomes the dominant theme uh, around immigration, and the lack of faith or trust in elected officials prevents them from being um, good stewards of good policy. Uh, and, and when you get in that kind of a situation, then it's very hard to get out of it. Um, and I think it does require, it's going to require somebody with real vision. It's going to require more than one person. It's going to require a lot of leaders with real vision and real commitment. And they're going to have to decide, uh, you know, the Democrats have to decide, do you hate Donald Trump more than you love America? Mm-hmm. And are you going to spend all your time railing against Donald Trump? Or are you going to spend all your time trying to solve problems? Mm-hmm. And the Republicans have to decide who are they beholden to? Are they beholden to the president? Are they beholden to uh, the, the people that elected them? Uh, and they need to get to work with each other to do what's right for the country. Yeah. Uh, you know, Ben, thank you so much for today. Um, one of the things I did want to kind of wrap up with um, do you foresee any, let me just call them edicts for lack of not being in order, coming out of Washington, coming out of the White House that you're concerned about, which might be borderline unconstitutional? Very specifically, asylum is a word that very few people really understand when it comes to this. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I think, look, the president has enormous power when it comes to immigration, but that power is not unlimited. Uh, you know, there, our, our government is divided into three equal branches of government, and the president cannot, according to a decision from the judge uh, just yesterday, cannot use his power in a way that subverts the power of Congress. Uh, so that, uh, him deciding that he is going to eradicate the eligibility for asylum for a class of people, uh, despite the fact that Congress specifically said that that class of people uh, should be uh, considered for asylum. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are the kind of constitutional showdowns that I think don't help us at all. Yeah. Um, uh, and and I, I am worried that there will be more of those. Yeah. Um, anytime the president seems to be in trouble, he goes to his go-to issue, yeah. uh, which is uh, immigration. Yeah. So I think we, we have to have more elected officials that are willing to stand up against that strategy uh, and say that it's time to solve these problems rather than just make them worse. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want you to get me wrong about what I'm about to say. Is I, I've really started my in-depth review of the changes in congressional members right now. A lot of people talking about women, but I've actually looked at who these people are, both men and women, and I will say that there really are a group of feisty rookies coming in here. I think this is going to be an exciting time, and I don't think they are afraid to talk about what you're talking about. Well, from your mouth to God's ears, I think all of us though, then have the responsibility uh, to hold them accountable, uh, to give them permission, um, but also make it clear that it's their responsibility uh, to lean into these issues. Um, if we let them be complacent, then they're going to fall into the same trap that every other incumbent falls into, which is 
doing the easy work of using issues as a political weapon rather than doing the hard work of solving problems. Yeah, I'm just going to give that an amen, Benjamin. Thank you for today. <laughs> Great to talk with you. Great to talk with you. Let's take a short break, everyone. We'll be right back. Is traditional medicine not working for you? Do you still feel as if your health isn't 100%? Here at the Holistic Medical Center, Dr. Nushin Darvish and the qualified staff look through the dimensions of wellness and start a healing plan prioritized to your needs. Our physicians assess the whole you until complete health is achieved. Get the help you need by visiting drdarvish.com or call 425-451-0404. Beyond Symptom Management into True Wellness with Jessica Dooley on Purely You Radio. Tune in every third Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific as Jessica guides you to find and embrace your purest self. Not the self that is shown on social media, not the self that is created in your family's eyes, but your purest version of you. Purely You Radio supports true wellness, not just symptom management. For more information about working with Jessica Dooley, visit purelyyouhealing.com. Hi, I'm Jane Matanga with Grow Your Soul Radio. It's been said that whatever you believe, you are. When you take charge with your positive thoughts and beliefs, you are the creator of your perceptions. You have the power to shift your reality. When you begin to shift your beliefs, the universe will dream a bigger dream for you than you ever imagined. Believe in your dreams and every part of your world can open up in new and glorious ways because everything is possible. I'd love for you to join me on Grow Your Soul Radio with my co-host, Dr. Pat, on Transformation Talk Radio. Everybody, welcome to our good news segment. Actually, this is really good news today. Bank of America reports, and here's what it says. It finds that women are skipping the spouse and buying the house. Yahoo! Sorry, that's my that's I'm sorry, that's my <laughs> little that's my commentary. That's not Kathy Cummins. That's just me. Bank of America executive Kathy Cummins discusses how single women are prioritizing owning a home. Yes. Uh, sorry, Kathy. I'm very excited about this because, you know, I was one of those women back, way back. Uh, and the value of doing that is hard to explain from a, from my personal perspective. But I am interested, again, Bank of America has stepped up and is tackling a conversation that I think people should know about. Can I ask you, why do you think this trend is happening? What are you seeing? Yeah, I, I mean, I, you know, when you look at 73% of single women making this a priority over marriage and children compared to 65% of men, I think that it, it drives you to that intellectual curiosity where, why? What is doing this? And I think the financial empowerment is coming from a couple of different places. The Department of Education estimates that this year, 140 women to 
um, compared to 100 men, will earn some sort of degree this year. Mm -hmm. With that degree comes um, financial empowerment, earning potential, and as the gender wage gap um, closes, I I think that we're seeing more women earning more, having more empowerment. Um, And quite honestly, I I think that men are just, you know, they're – If I use my own children as an example, goofing off and having fun. My son is rarely home. He lives in Chicago, and he's, you know, goes traveling pretty much every weekend, it seems like. Yeah. Uh, Can I give you a little theory? I think they showed up in your report. The theory is, I think, just saying about my background, being a woman and my women friends, we do the math. So if you're in Washington state, you have done the math. You have looked at a state, especially in the greater Seattle area, where the cost of renting is at least from latest, my latest real estate friend said, it's at least 25% higher than what a full blown mortgage with all of the property taxes and all that is. So I think we're doing the math. I think what we're saying is, okay, wait, let me think for a minute, buy a home, get the tax write off, go ahead and do this. I own the home or wait a minute, let me go rent over here. Do you think part of that is in the equation? Do you think women have gotten a little bit more educated than they were a bunch of years ago on this? There is no question about that. And I live in Charlotte and our rent increases six to 7% year over year. So when you look at that, and you compare that to getting into a fixed rate mortgage where you're going to have the same principal and interest month after month, year after year. And at the end of it, you're going to have all of this equity in the home that you can use for your retirement cushion. It's financially, you know, a wonderful decision for women to make. And I think that they are figuring that out. And they're also figuring out they don't have to have a man to do it. Yeah. Let's talk about the what I call the I factor the independence factor. I call that because we're seeing it across the board, not just on home buying. There are other factors and other studies being done on the rise of self-confidence, women in themselves, and the fact that they know, wait a minute, there's a new trend in this country and it's called independence. Uh, How does that factor in? Did you measure that in your study? We did not measure that in our study, but I, I can tell you, Dr. Pat, you are, again, spot on. You've done your research on this, uh, obviously. Um, one of the things that um, women are figuring out is that independence, that sense of accomplishment, is something that is um, emotionally valuable to them. So I have um, a daughter in New York, and even though she's married, her husband was in law school, so she just bought a co-op in Brooklyn, mm. and she did it all on her own. Wow. She, it was her income um, she, because she's a first-time home buyer, even though you know she's, she makes great money. Um, she's got a master's degree. Um, she was able to get a down payment assistance program. So they're doing the research. They're figuring out what it takes to become a homeowner, um, and they're doing what they need to do in order to make this this dream become a reality. Mm-hmm. Uh, can I ask you a risk, R-I-S-K, R-I-S-K question, risk? So my experience yeah. just in having conversations with people and, of course, my own personal experience, I was more willing to take a risk 
and buy a home for all the reasons you just mentioned. Is there a difference between how men and women are looking at risk? Is it that women don't see buying a home as like a risky thing anymore? You know, I haven't really done the um, the research on this, but um, I would say that, that women typically are um, getting their career started yes. and establishing their their homes, um, they've already got that figured out. Whereas men are like, you know, I'll just float for a couple years. Um, my son in Chicago, he knows he's going to move back to North Carolina at some point. Um, that's where he wants to start his family and raise his children. But um, that's just not on his um, immediate docket right now. Mm -hmm. So I I think that there's, um, when you look at risk, it's what is the risk of me buying a home and then choosing that this might not be where I want to be or is this really where I want to spend my money at this point in time? Um, And men are just a little bit slower than women in developing. So I I think that this is really proving out in this data. Yeah. I want to ask you, though, there's something else that you all have done, and I want to talk about it. Um, You know, I know for myself, when I bought my first home, I had a friend who actually was my boss, who actually was a realtor. And I got really educated from that. Fast forward to where we are today. Phone apps, education tools. What are some of the tools you all provide? What are some of the resources? Yes, we have um, a lot of online resources, and it, you can find those. We kind of compile them to make it easy for people. If you go to bankofamerica.com slash mortgage, scroll all the way down to the bottom, there's a first-time home buyer link on the left-hand side. And there you're going to find um, down payment assistance programs that are available. You can learn more about our 3% down um, mortgage product. Um, you can also learn about the the digital mortgage experience, which is a high-tech, high-touch way to go through the mortgage process. It compiles all the data in the background, um, streamlines the application process tremendously, but it allows you to pick up a phone and have a conversation with a human being at any time during the process. Mm. The other thing that we do is um, tell our lending officers, when you're working with a borrower who might not be mortgage-ready, um, we've got a network of housing counseling agencies that we work with across the country. These are all part of the U.S. government, funded by the U.S. government, um, housing and urban development, housing counseling agencies. So HUD.gov, H-U-D.G-O-V, if you go to the resource section there, you can find housing counseling agencies. The great news about that is they're going to give you an independent, non-biased opinion as to what you need to prepare for home ownership. They can help you every step of the way, and they are also familiar with any of the down payment assistance programs that are available in the market. Mm. Now, look, for those of you just tuning in, I'm thrilled to have Kathy Cummings uh, here with us today, Bank of America Senior Vice President, Consumer Education and Consulting. And the reason I'm very excited about this is twofold. You have experience, probably extensive, in working with single women clients. That's number one. So let me ask you, uh, what have you seen or what have you discovered perhaps in the report? Uh, what do women see as their greatest challenge? to buying what 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 do you, what have you discovered 
Yeah, it, it's definitely coming up with that down payment. Okay. Um, yeah. I think women particularly feel that, um, you know, they need to save more. They need to, um, you know, make sure that they're earning more money. So, um, and part of that is they just, there's some inaccurate information out in the field. So if they feel like they have to save 20%, Obviously, that's a huge gap. That's going to take you quite some time to get to that point, especially, you know, when you look at the the housing prices in the Seattle-Tacoma area. I mean, that would take a long time, right? So um, so one of the things is letting them know that you can have a 3% down mortgage. And, oh, by the way, if you're a first-time home buyer, there are resources out there to help you with that down payment. So education is key. And I'll tell you that part of the work that we do with nonprofit partners is home buyer fairs and home buyer education workshops. And more than 80% of the, the women or, or attendees at these um, events are typically women mm-hmm. because they're looking for that information. They want to make sure that they're getting themselves into a sustainable home ownership situation. Um, they're, they've seen what happened in the past. They don't want to repeat that mistake. So they're, they're putting in the legwork that they need in order to learn what to do to do it right. Yeah, you know what I'm finding, and I don't think, I don't know if this is going to be statistically relevant to you, but what I'm finding is talking to our listeners as well as some of my friends is they're not letting the Seattle or Bellevue Eastside market, definitely not the market in Bothell where I'm from, uh, hinder them. What I'm finding of women that they're more interested in doing and are seeking out, I have a friend that just bought a house in Everett. And what I'm finding is that women, at least in my circle, are willing to travel farther, let's say, increase their commute. The fact that the housing prices may be higher here than there, it doesn't seem to be like, oh, I'm not going to look, right? Do you think they have a little bit more gumption? Oh, without a doubt. I mean, I, we're women. We've got gumption, oh, right? I do. So, um, I have best friend. <laughs> I have a best friend who just bought a home this summer, and she did this as a divorced um, school teacher. And you know, as a single woman, she was very apprehensive about it. But you know, we worked through kind of what the problems were, what the obstacles were, and the sense of accomplishment that she had for being able to do this by herself um, was dramatic. And she went from a five-minute commute to nearly a half-hour commute. Um, so to your point, we're willing, because it's a priority for us, we're willing to do what we deem necessary to make it happen. The other thing I want to talk about is the level of, I don't know what to call it, maybe you can help me, creativity that women are really tapping into to find a solution for themselves around this. You know, I think what you and I are talking about is not like a sidebar. It's like, I want to buy a home, right? It's like that. I want to buy a home. And I'm going to go out there and I'm going to get the tools and the resources. I'm going to figure it out. I mean, even to the point where I have a friend that decided I could get this really inexpensive one room in Seattle where I work and just bought a home overlooking the bay in Port Townsend. So this is what I mean by these creative solutions. What do you think? 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think that, you know, one of the things that I advise people, um, even before they start looking for the house, because the worst thing is it's very demoralizing to go out and fall in love with a house and mm-hmm. then figure out, hey, I can't afford it, or it's not right for me, um, is, you know, stack rank your priorities. What are you looking for in a home? Is it space? Is it a backyard for your your pet? Is it um, close proximity to a park? You know, figure that out and stack rank your priorities and then, um, you know, figure out what you can comfortably afford. So back into um, what fits within your overall budget and your overall financial goals. And then you can go shopping for the house. I mean, if you have all this dirty work out of the the way up front, that's going to make that home shopping process much more fun. Um, finding those trusted partners who are going to help you along the way and give you um, the safe, sound advice that you're, you're going to need to um, help get into a sustainable homeownership situation mm-hmm. is going to be key as well. And so doing that legwork. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no, no. I was just going to say doing that legwork is going to save you a lot of anxiety later in the process. You know what I love about what you said earlier, and please, I want to say it again, but first, how can people find out more? And then the second thing I want to remind everyone of is that there are ways to have a face, like a actually talk to a person on this. Can you tell folks all about that? Yeah, absolutely. So if you go to bankofamerica.com slash mortgage, and scroll all the way down to the bottom. On the left-hand side, there's a link for first-time home buyer. We try to consolidate all of the resources and everything that you'll need to know to get through the process. Plus, there's some educational um, tidbits in there as well. So, um, you know, just make sure that you do the research. If you want to find the um, housing counseling agencies, we can help you with that. But also, um, you can go to HUD.gov under resources and find housing counseling agencies. Uh, thank you so much. I want to ask you one last question. I know we've talked about the results and study what we're seeing now. Do you have any uh, insight on the future around this? What do you see happening? Um, I think that so, and I don't. I don't pretend to know how old you are, Pat. But I will say that um, when I was growing up, my grandmother never worked a day in her life. Oh. Completely financially independent mm-hmm. on or dependent on my grandfather. So my messaging to my daughter and the messaging I expect to, to continue is: you marry for love, and you become self-sufficient, self. Um, being able to be financially independent on your own. And I think that that messaging is really starting to um, come to fruition in our daughters and um, seeing them go out there with the confidence to be able to do this by themselves and do the research and learn what they need to learn to be successful is, is just thrilling from my perspective. Yeah, I want to thank you so much for this message, but I also want to thank you for being available to help uh, women take a look at this and really understand what their options are and what their possibilities are. The other thing, too, is isn't part of this message from you and Bank of America not to give up hope. Let's say you go down this pathway and for whatever reason it doesn't work for you. Maybe you don't have enough uh, down payment. You know, this idea is not to give up hope around this, is it? Yeah, some people are mortgage ready today. Other people, I'm telling you, if this is your financial goal, um, stick with it. I've seen people work a year plus to get mortgage ready and be able to have 
the confidence to go out there and buy a home. It took my daughter. She lives in Brooklyn. It took her um, almost two years to actually find the place that she could afford that met her list of criteria. So don't give up hope. I mean, it's, it's certainly doable um, if it's your priority. Yeah. I, I don't know if your study uh, shows this. Hopefully the next one you do will. Um, the women that I know that are buying, they don't need to have the pristine best house. They're ready to get in there, paint the thing, take down a wall if they need to. There's, this is just a, a whole new set of gumption for women that are buying. And I think that's a trend that, sh- that has changed over the decades. I think women don't really oh, look it, at the house, right? You know what I'm saying? I know exactly what you're saying. And, you know, women have vision, as you know, mm-hmm. and we have instinct. And I will tell you that that is absolutely what we're seeing is um, folks are moving or willing to move into a fixer-upper um, and do what they need to do. So, um, yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, thank you. As, as Mama Joan used to say, honey, that coat of paint you're putting up there, that is going to cover a lifetime of sins. So that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> she was, Absolutely. I know. Thank you so much for today. And thank you for all that you do. Also, thank my friends at Bank of America for helping me as well uh, in my business arena. Thank you so much for today. Thank you, Dr. Pat. Let's take a short break, everyone. We'll be right back. Are you looking for the perfect setting for your next workshop or retreat? At Spirit Fire Meditative Retreat Center, cultivating consciousness is what we do best. Our guests count on us to create an atmosphere that supports serenity and well-being. We lead from the heart and create space for the mind. Freshly prepared meals designed with local and organic ingredients, 95 acres of beautiful woods and pastures, and a facility built with green in mind. This is what you'll find at Spirit Fire. For more information, visit SpiritFireRetreatCenter.com. everybody. Welcome, welcome. Welcome to our good news segment. You know, I wish I would have been doing these interviews when I enrolled. And the reason that I say that is, here's the thing. Have you reviewed your Medicare plan? For those of you out there, have you done that? And why is that even important to do? John Hammerland, Deputy Consortium Administrator, Medicaid and Children's Health Operations, joining us here today for where our Seattle region, he is going to give us up close and personal about what we could do. Step into the world of possibilities that will begin already. And you have till December 7th to make your changes to your 2019 Medicare health plan. Listen, John, thank you so much. And I really mean it. I wish I would have had this information. And so do my friends, because to figure out how everything works is like a maze. So welcome to the show. Thank you. Um, Let's talk about this. You know, I know Medicare open enrollment started and I know it ends. So give us an idea of the time frame and what is on your top three things that folks should know. Well, the Medicare open enrollment, as you say, started uh, on October 15th, and it ends December 7th. And it really is the chance for everyone with Medicare to review their coverage and see if they need to make any changes for next year. 
Um, people change and plans change each year. By that, I mean people's health needs change and their financial circumstances change. And with respect to health plans, their coverage and their prices change. So it really is incumbent on Medicare beneficiaries. They owe it to themselves to take a look each year and make sure they are in the right plan. And we have lots of tools available to help them do that. Well, first of all, I don't want to run out of time here before we tell people how they can find out about this. So number one, let's give folks information how they can find out more. There are lots of resources available. Uh, there's 1-800-MEDICARE. That's our toll-free line. They can talk to a real-life person and talk to their choices. You can also get local assistance here in Washington State from the Statewide Health Insurance Benefits Advisors, or SHEBA. Mm -hmm. And their number is 1-800-562-6900. And then finally, we have a lot of online, online resources at medicare.gov. That's where one can find the plan finder tool that allows people to compare among the different Medicare Advantage and Part D prescription drug plans. I want to ask you this question and talk about some of the tools and what's available. You know, folks might be thinking, well, wait a minute, uh, you know, I'm good to go, I'm good to go. But, you know, here's what I'm, I'm discovering. Things change. And so I want to ask you about that. What is it that people should be most aware of now as they review their coverage? Well, they have to consider again how their health needs have changed. Mm -hmm. Do they need a new, a different prescription drug medicine than they've taken before? Or do they have some other medical needs? And then, of course, they have to determine if their financial circumstances have changed because different plans cost different amounts. So that's important. And then the Medicare Advantage uh, tool that we have online, the Plan Finder tool, lets you look at all the different options that are available. For example, Medicare Advantage typically offers benefits in addition to what traditional Medicare or Medicare Part A and B um, offer. So that would be things, um, you know, like uh, vision and hearing and dental and health and wellness programs. So a beneficiary might want to look and see whether they want to change from original Medicare to Medicare Advantage plan this year. Those are the sorts of calculations one has to go through every year. You know, one of the things that I was asked, and we had a big conversation about this over the holidays, so it's like no mistake we're talking about it. One of the things that happens, I think, is, um, can I just say that misunderstanding? Comment was made to me, I don't want to change anything because I'm afraid if I change from where I am, I'm not going to go back if I want to go back. So there's a lot of conversation that family members have around this that say, just stay where you are. But aren't these plans being enhanced and upgraded as we move forward? Well, the plans are enhanced um, and upgraded typically every year. Uh, even original Medicare will offer new benefits each year. But with respect to Medicare Advantage plans, um, we have expanded benefits like adult daycare services, in-home support services, caregiver support services, um, home-based palliative care, therapeutic massage, and certain programs for people with diabetes and congestive heart failure. But you're right. Um, there is a, a, a prevailing thought that, that there isn't necessarily any need to change. Mm -hmm. And if one 
doesn't need to change, that's fine. They can stay in the same plan they have now, and they will simply be in that plan until the opportunity arrives next year. But I think it's really a prudent idea to take a look at the different options because, again, your health conditions could have changed and the plans could be offering different benefits. I want to talk about the tool for a minute because what I find is interesting is when people take a look at what the tool does, it does literally, it will compare plans. Can you talk about that for a minute? Because I don't even think folks know how robust this tool is. Well, the Plan Finder tool lets you compare plans, as you say, so you can see the exact costs that uh, those plans will charge in the particular area, so in Yakima, and um, determine the costs of both the uh, Medicare Advantage plans as well as the Part D prescription drug plans. We also have a Compare Coverage Options tool on Medicare.gov. That asks five simple questions about what's important to you And then that helps point you in the right direction concerning your Medicare options. Um, We also have an estimate Medicare costs tool, which is an out-of-pocket cost calculator that provides um, information about uh, the different costs for the plans and prescription drug costs. And we're also offering this year a web chat to help people who are online make plan comparisons. That's in addition to 1-800-MEDICARE and the local Washington State SHIBA program. So we have lots of resources available people, to people to help them make their choices. Um, I want to ask you a couple things. I know folks worry about the fact that, oh my gosh, uh, what if I miss the date? What if I'm out of town? What if, what if, what if? Can you give us some parameters around this? Well, the open enrollment period is an annual open window. And as we said, it began October 15th. It does close on December 7th. So if they haven't made uh, any changes to their plan at that point, they will stay with the plan they're in now for the entire next year. There's one exception to that. And that is if somebody is already in a Medicare Advantage plan and they miss the December 7th deadline, they still have from January 1 to March 31st to make a change from one Medicare Advantage plan to a different Medicare Advantage plan. So that's the one exception. Uh, There's so many things that I want to ask you about, so many things I want to talk with you about, and certainly, for sure, to really share with our, our, our listeners. There's also parts of looking at, you know, the drug plans you have. It's not just about what happens if this happens or that happens. This is pretty much a comprehensive review of your profile, And then, as you said before, there are phone numbers to call. And I want to just mention them again, if you don't mind. Thank you for doing that. You bet. So we have our toll-free line. That is 1-800-MEDICARE. And then in Washington State, the Statewide Health Insurance Benefit Advisors, and they're a part of the Department of Insurance, um, their number is 1-800-562-6900. And those people provide uh, great advice in addition to what you can get by calling the 1-800-MEDICARE number. Okay. Let me ask you this last question. I know we got like a minute. What didn't I ask you that you want to share with folks today, John? Well, I think, again, that uh, in addition to people's health uh, needs changing over time, the plan's cost structure change. Mm-hmm. And um, one thing that to note about Medicare Advantage plans is that their premiums have steadily declined since 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the same mm-hmm. for Medicare prescription drug plans or Part D premiums. 
they have declined as well. And Medicare Part D, of course, is that plan that's available to people who have original Medicare, A and B, but they want to have prescription drug coverage as well. If they choose instead a Medicare Advantage plan, oftentimes they get their Part D prescription drug coverage through that Medicare Advantage plan. Mm. Oh, well, Again, it really helps to get on mm-hmm. the plan finder to, to yeah. make a comparison. I know. It's a, great, it's a great tool, by the way, John. It's great. Uh, last question, and thank you so much for today. What's your personal message? What do you want to leave us with today? You owe it to yourself to take some time to find out the best plan for you. And if you're intimidated at all about that, work with a family member or another caregiver and have them assist you, or you've got great resources available. The SHIBA program in Washington State provides great advice, as does 1-800-MEDICARE. I love it. Thank you, John Hammerlund, everybody, Deputy Consortium Administrator, Medicaid and Children's Operations, also Regional Administrator right here in our own backyard. So guess what? John knows what's going on. Let's take a short break, everyone. We'll be right back. The preceding audio was via a Skype call.